Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Super Sleuths Book One. The Pirate's Plunder by E.M. Clark. Read by Lexi. Chapter Three. To the Palace. Everyone was up early the next day. You make sure you wear a dress, Sally Sinclair, and long trousers for you, Zav, called Widow Hanlon as she chopped open fresh coconuts for breakfast. I'll not have you looking like ruffians up at the palace. And no parrots, she cried, as a hopeful Anna fluffed up her feathers in anticipation of meeting royalty. Not this time, I'm afraid, Anna, Sally sighed, stroking her parrot's wilting feathers. I'll see you when we get back. And with an affectionate nip, Anna zoomed through the window out into the morning blue. After everyone had breakfasted, the highlight being some of Widow Hanlon's delicious passion fruit cakes, the groom brought round the horse-drawn carriage and they set off for the palace. The busy streets were thronged with people, horses, carriages and donkeys, with errand boys flitting here and there. The city seemed bursting with life and colour, the vibrantly painted buildings standing tall. Orange, pink, yellow and green, all jostling each other, shoulder to shoulder, on each side of the cobbled streets. High up, away from the bustle of the city, stood the White Stone Palace, watching over its people with a benevolent gaze. This was where King Lucio and Queen Aurelia lived, with their daughter, Princess Richenda. They were of the house of Richmondo and had ruled with wisdom for as long as anyone could remember, aided by their council of ministers. Sandlandia was a calm and well-organised place, despite the risks of pirate attack. The royal palace was known as the Palace of the Flowers because it was surrounded by delightful gardens bursting with blooms. This was where everyone gathered for the ceremony, talking excitedly about the professor's new invention. From the top of the hill, they could see the curves of the bay, full of ships laden with cargo. A short trumpet blast signalled that it was time for everyone to take their seats in the golden pavilion for the presentation. After what felt like a very long and very boring series of speeches, it was finally Professor Sinclair's turn to address the guests. The children sat up straighter in their golden chairs and gazed proudly up at the stage. Esteemed guests, Professor Sinclair began, pushing his spectacles up his nose. It is my very great pleasure to show you my latest invention. It will transform our lives for the better, just like the illuminators and the cool boxes we already have. I have called it a moving way, and it will let us travel long distances quickly while sitting in a comfortable shaded compartment. It will not use horses, as we presently do, or wind power, as we use for our ships. It will use a power pack, harnessing energy from the sun. At present, we have only the prototype to show you, but soon a whole shipment of these power packs will arrive and will allow us to create the moving way, connecting all the cities across Sandlandia. But don't take my word for it. Come and experience it for yourselves. An excited muttering broke out and the crowd of curious observers were ushered towards some very large metal boxes waiting outside the pavilion. 
They walked inside one and quickly sat down on the wooden benches. Soon, the compartment began to move forward. Wow, this is fast, remarked Zav. I can't believe it's moving all on its own, cried Milo. This is what the people in the old times called a railway, explained Captain Jet, and each section is powered by one of those solar power packs. It's amazing, Raoul, he added, addressing the professor who was beaming proudly. When do you hope to have it working fully? By the end of the summer. This little route just takes us around the palace grounds, but once the shipment of power packs arrives, it's full steam ahead. Do you think the power packs is the shipment Vile Vinicius is after? Zelly whispered to her brother as they gazed out of the window. It could be, he replied. It's certainly an important part of Pa's invention. Let's keep listening and looking for clues. After the moving way had delivered them back to the Golden Pavilion, tables had been laid out on the terrace for a celebratory lunch. As they made their way to their places, the twins and Milo saw a girl waiting there. She had long fair hair in two plaits and green eyes. Hello, the girl said, raising her hand in greeting. I'm Princess Richenda. I've come to join you for lunch, well, if you don't mind. Of course not, replied Zelly. We've heard lots about you, Princess. Pleased to meet you. And the three bowed. They all sat down and tucked into the delicious feast. Cakes and puddings, fruit mousses and even a chocolate fountain crowded the golden tables. It was all delicious and the children ate as much as they could. I'm stuffed, groaned Zav. Oh, it'll be ages until the adults are ready to leave, sighed Zelly. They always want to stay and chat. Ooh, who are those people on the top table? She had spotted a man with long black hair swept back from his brow, a large hooked nose and piercing eyes under bushy eyebrows. He was seated next to two sulky teenage boys who looked like miniature versions of him and who were shoving food into their mouths in great greedy handfuls. Their group was completed by a tiny dark-haired woman with striking green eyes whose gaze seemed to look right through Zelly, penetrating and mesmerising at the same time. She had seen the little girl staring, and Zelly felt the full force of her scrutiny, white hot and searing, as if she was able to see right into Zelly's soul. Zelly stared back, helpless, drawn into the pools of green fire, until, with a great effort, she dragged her eyes away, rubbing them with her knuckles and trying to ignore the sickening feeling that the woman had somehow invaded her thoughts. That's Count Zuto and his wife, Countess Rosina, from the house of Contuti. Oh, and their sons, Gergo and Tegel, Princess Richenda was explaining, not very enthusiastically. They're here quite often, she added, sounding even less happy about that. Who are they? asked Zav. Oh, they're friends with Prince Igor, a distant relative from the north. Milo and Zav exchanged glances. That was the name they'd heard Mr Hewitt and Val Vinicius mention, the prince who was plotting in Frenchtown. I hope we don't have to meet them, said Milo. There's something cold about them. That's it, agreed Richenda, and it's not just their looks. They're really horrid. I try to avoid them as much as I can. 
Wait a minute, said Milo, who was still observing the top table keenly. I think Count Zuto has been to see the Hewitts. Remember, a few days ago, before we saw Vinicius there, we saw someone else, but their face was hidden. Well, they might have been trying to disguise themselves, but they were really tall, and you can't disguise that. It has to have been Count Zuto. I've never seen anyone that big. Zav nodded. Count Zuto was strikingly tall, and he certainly fitted the description of the mysterious caller they had seen at the Hewitts a week before. Are you all right, Zelly? Zav added, noticing that his twin had gone very quiet and was slightly pale. I think so, she replied shakily. Countess Rosina looks like she sees a lot. She was staring at me and I, I felt like she could somehow reach inside me with her eyes. Zelly trailed off, unsure whether she could explain this strange sensation, even to her twin. Zav gave her a quick hug. Then she smiled weakly at him. It's a good job Anna isn't here, she added. I've got a horrid feeling that the Countess sees more than is possible. Do you mean she can sense magic? asked Zav in a hushed voice. I'm not sure, his sister replied, but I do know I wouldn't like to get too close. I've never told anyone this before, Richenda said slowly, looking wide-eyed at Zelly. "'But I feel exactly the same about the Countess.' "'Really?' asked Sally. "'Really?' Richenda replied. "'Let's get away from here where we can talk properly. "'You never know who might be listening. "'Shall I ask if we can explore the gardens?' "'The sleuths nodded. "'Richenda slipped away to Queen Aurelia "'and whispered in her mother's ear. "'She soon returned and smiled. "'Yes, we can go. "'Do you have a special spot in the gardens?' "'asked Zelly as they walked. "'Yes,' replied Richenda, near the moat. "'You can meet my friend.' "'How oh, great!' Zelly said. "'It's beautiful here. You're really lucky.' "'Yes, I am,' replied Richenda. "'But it's a bit lonely. "'That's why I'm so pleased to have met you all. "'It's this way.' "'And she led them through a heavy canopy of trees, "'overgrown with plants crisscrossing each other.' As the children moved deeper into the jungle, it cast a green light over everything, giving their surroundings a mysterious, fairy-like feel. This is amazing! Zav cried. I feel like an explorer in the jungle! Look! Through the green haze, the children could make out a hollow directly ahead, with an ancient red cave carved out of the sandstone cliff, which rose up behind it. Swampy pools of water collected in the muddy ground in front. Here we are, Richenda announced. Meet Clarence. To the amazement of the children, a huge creature with a long neck, four legs and a tail appeared from inside the cave. It was emerald green in colour, with scaly skin and leathery wings, though in places the scales seemed to be turning brown, like leaves in autumn. It looked rather like a very large, wrinkly lizard, thought Zav, though more fierce. It gazed at them with drooping amber eyes, which seemed almost too tired to stay open under heavy, shaggy brows. What is it? asked Milo, shrinking back, as it didn't look too friendly.
It's a he and he's a dragon, replied Brachenda with glee. And he can breathe fire. Watch. On cue, the dragon sighed heavily, took a long, languorous breath and, suddenly, tongues of orange flame jetted out of his nostrils, licking the surface of the pools and casting a red glow over the startled children's faces. Oh, no wonder there's no flowers growing round here, said Zav in astonishment. He and Milo had taken a step backwards, feeling very cautious of this magnificent but unpredictable creature. Zelly, however, had moved closer, as if drawn to Clarence, until she was standing immediately in front of him, all thought of danger forgotten. She whispered words that seemed to come to her out of nowhere. Great good creature, wise and true, tell me what I ask of you. The dragon stared languidly at Zelly for a long moment, until, to Zav and Milo's astonishment, very slowly, so they could almost hear his bones creaking with the effort, he bowed. And then, hauling himself upright again with what seemed like a tremendous effort and contemplating the little girl who stood bravely in front of him, the dragon spoke. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for more adventures in Chapter 4, Clarence Speaks. Want to read along? Super Sleuth's Book 1, The Pirate's Plunder, is available now on Kindle. Enjoyed today's chapter? Why not rate our podcast? See you next time.